Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Blech. And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for a bigger job, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show Edge Rush in association with Betfred. The playoffs are here, gang. Prop O is here gang and with a big smile on his face because we are back in business ollie as the great fast eddie felson said at the end of the color of money we're back we're back we are back and in style as well i mean what a finish to the the acker in that tennessee game you almost called it perfectly i have to give it to you nat Thanks, you man. were the one who said that the Houston Texans are likely to cover because of the brilliance of Deshaun Watson, which is exactly what happened. But at the same mm. time, the Titans were always going to come out victors and largely because of the talent they have in Derek Henry and AJ Brown. I mean, what a catch at the end of that game. What play. Oh, unbelievable. Clutch, uh, underlying clutch in red pen. Uh, he was never in doubt, to my mind. Also, just backtracking <laughs> 30 seconds, you have no idea who fast Eddie Felsen is. Do you no, know who Paul, you know who Paul Newman is, right? Yeah, oh, I know on, the on. name. <laughs> You're kidding me. One of the great sports films, one of the great films, frankly, of the 20th century, The Color of Money, Ollie Thornton, with Tom Cruise as a young pool shark and Paul Newman as an aging pool hustler. It's a sequel to a film called The Hustler, which actually was a brilliant book by Walter Tevis called The Hustler about pool sharks in 50s and 60s America, right? And Newman plays an aging pool shark who picks uh, Tom Cruise to basically be his protege and they go and hustle pool all around america for cash and then there's a big tournament it is a great film oh, so i would i would recommend you go and check that out do you want to know something that and i don't know Tell why me. i'm admitting this now mm-hmm. the only film i've ever seen with tom cruise in is the one louis Theroux's documentary on scientology <laughs> wow where do we yeah. st- where do we start with this are you are you michael owen is that what <laughs> have you seen more or less films than michael owen is what i want to know i've definitely seen more films than michael owen but i've never been um, appealed by what Tom Cruise offers, to be honest with you. Well, you know what? And I know this is uh, an NFL show and Edge Rush, you guys listening want us to get straight down to the action, but humor me for 30 seconds. Whatever you think of Tom Cruise, he has made some superb films and put in some brilliant performances. So if you want three straight off the bat, would be The Color of Money, Rain Man, an, an absolute seminal classic, another great film of the 20th century with Dustin Hoffman, where he plays Hoffman's younger brother, Hoffman's autistic incredible performance by Hoffman, but Cruz is great because he's understated opposite Hoffman, which is not an easy thing to do when you, when you see the film, you know what I mean? And then uh, born on the 4th of July where Cruz plays a war vet who comes back to an America that doesn't look after him anymore. He's brilliant in that as well. So don't be fooled by kind of latter day Cruz and all the off camera stuff that you see as a, a younger actor. Certainly he was, uh, I think a superb film star, uh, a film actor. And, um, uh, and underrated in many respects, despite the fact he's a huge, huge mega. Fine, star. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Though, so I'm a big Dustin Hoffman fan. Love The Bachelor. Oh. So yeah, 
I will. Rain, uh, Man. Rain Man's yeah, great. I'll watch Rain Man then. There's also a fairly good amount of gambling in Rain Man where they basically go Perfect. to Vegas and uh, and Dustin Hoffman's character is counting cards and they make a fortune. <laughs> so you'll, you will love that scene in particular. Right. Uh, so the Akka was rolling. We're back on with another one this week, of course, a shortened field, of course. So uh, a little bit harder now. And of course, every game within reason, even Tampa, Washington, uh, harder to harder to call uh, perhaps than a, a regular season week. But we're going to roll on through the playoffs, roll on through to the Super Bowl as well. We've got lots of exciting stuff coming up uh, for Super Bowl week. We'll be dropping all kinds of goodness there as well. So let's get down to business. We're going to start with the, the Rams-Seahawks game, which, it, yeah, as I said, if we're looking at games that are very hard to call, this is right up there, not least, of course, because we're not sure who's going to be on the center for the Rams. Ian Rappaport reporting earlier this week that it will be challenging for Jared Goff to be playing against the Seahawks. So we could be seeing the return of Wolford, who who looked certainly, I, was, I don't want to overstate it all and say he looked decent because I think he was um, limited to some degree w- with what he was doing with his arm. But of course, he adds something that Goff doesn't, which is this athleticism with his legs. And uh, Sean McVeigh seems quite excited about that. Sorry, can we just go back? Did Ian Rappaport say that Jared Goff, it was going to find it challenging to play the Seahawks, irrespective of his injury. <laughs> he was talking about it. Was that just his tweet? Jared hey, Goff will find it challenging to play the Seahawks. Out there, yeah. You know full well that I'm a Jared Goff apologist. That's know, one of, I'm sure that's one of the trademarked, um, trademarked prop O slogans we've got on a, on a cup somewhere. We had a Kirk Cousins one, I think. I've got a Jared Goff Yeah, that's true. That's true. No, there is. At the moment, it's being reported as 50-50, but I do still think that Jared Goff will play just purely based on the fact that it is a playoff game and they will do what it takes to get him out on the pitch. I know John Wolford had a... He he grew into the game, let's be honest, against the Cardinals. And I do think that what he gives them on the ground could benefit them going forward. But I still don't think you want to throw him in his second ever start in the NFL into a playoff game if you don't have to. I think they'll do whatever it takes to get Jared Goff onto the pitch. But Mm. do you know what? Irrespective of the injury to Jared Goff now. The money has been coming in on the Rams. The Mm. line opened at Seattle minus four and a half, largely due to the uncertainty surrounding who's going to play for the LA Rams on Saturday. But since then, it's moved down to minus three and a half in favour of the Seattle Seahawks. And also, unsurprisingly, the money has been coming on the under. That opened at 43 and a half. Now that's at 42 and a half. Mm. I think there's a, an expectation that this is going to be an incredibly defensive game. The Seahawks have certainly trended in that direction. I don't, they've only scored 30 points more than... I think they've only scored 30 points once since week nine, and that was against the Jets. So I'm not sure whether you would even count that. And their defense has been on an upwards trend. They've sort of been top 10 ranked defense since that day as well. I think you make some great points, though, and it'll be fascinating to see if the Seahawks do progress in the playoffs, what that balance looks like. It's interesting, you look at... You mentioned the Rams' D, which is quite clearly the star attraction here with this this current Rams organization and it's an unbelievably good defense and I know we celebrate Aaron Donald in particular Brockers who was out last week should be back and that's a that's a big plus he was obviously in the COVID 
uh, protocol, as was Cooper Cup, incidentally, who should mm. be back for this as well, which I think mm. will be really, really important for, for Wolford. Uh, there's a great point, actually, that I will come back to that um, Mike Tanier made uh, about that, uh, about the, uh, well, indirectly about the return of Cup, which I'll come back to. But just on the defense, we, the, the front seven, and Donald in particular, and Jalen Ramsey gets a lot of attention as well. Darius Williams on the other side. I mean, mm. that is a, a brilliant tag team at corner. And that is, as we've seen already with the Rams going up against the Hawks this season and Ramsey able to shut down DK Metcalf. If you look at the uh, game earlier on, in fact, two games against the Rams, Metcalf has caught eight passes on 12 targets for 87 yards and no scores. So that plan has worked to date. Shutting down DK Metcalf primarily with Jalen Ramsey, if not entirely with Jalen Ramsey, has worked. It's, it's, it's a strong defense all the way through. So that is going to be really interesting to see whether the Seahawks can find a way to break through that resolute D from, from top to bottom. The point that Mike Tanier was making was to do with the Seahawks not playing nickel and dime much. And of course, Jamal Adams blitzing more than virtually any other safety in the history of the NFL mm-hmm. <laughs> in, the, in the league this season. And as a result of that, he, he was highlighting Jordan Brooks, the rookie linebacker they've got, and saying that he, as a result of the way that the Seahawks play a lot of the time, uh, 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 in that respect, he gets a lot of different coverage assignments. And that is a, not a great matchup against a Sean McVay offense, and particularly with Cooper Cup back. So I think that's going to be quite critical. Will the will the Hawks, presumably, because Pete Carroll is you know, a, a defensive mind through and through and it's un- he's unlikely to deviate radically from you know if it ain't broke don't fix it for him that will be interesting and whether McVeigh particularly targets that whether Wolford can execute that in the same way Goff can actually and if Cooper Cup's return will make that particular part of the field a really interesting matchup and an advantage for the Rams do you know and also going back to one of your earlier points the Seahawks offensive line is actually much stronger this week. They've got their starting right tackle and their starting left guard back. Mm. So that, do you know what that trends towards now? I mean, as I said earlier, the money's coming in on the under. Mm. People are expecting a low scoring game. People are expecting a defensive display from both teams. But if you're suggesting that you think the Rams might be able to exploit parts of the Seahawks defense, and if Russell Wilson actually might get some protection for the first time in a couple of weeks do you think that lends towards what is quite a low number are seeing a little bit more or a few more points than most people are expecting? That's the play I've got in this game definitely is the over. I think the number is is too low and I understand and you've very eloquently described why it is the, one of the best defences in, in the NFL, if not the best defence in the NFL, up against an emerging D and a brilliant defensive mind. I like the over on this. For the reasons I've said, I can't see Russell Wilson getting contained uh, f- for for four quarters in the way that the Rams would like. And I think maybe even with Wolford, or rather, especially because of, of Wolford, I think the Rams can uh, can exploit areas of this Seattle defense. And we know certainly that the secondary, there are still fundamental problems. And I'm not buying into this stat that we've heard all season long. Oh, they've got the worst pass defense in the NFL because they're ranked 30 seconds in yardage. That's too much of a superficial stat for me. But at the same time, even though it, it, they are improving in the secondary as well to a degree. And that I think is predicated on how much 
they're improving with their with their pass rushing further up the field. I think the Rams can I think the Rams can score points here and exploit that that secondary in particular. And I think the dyn- dynamism that Wolford gives him, just the v- variation he gives him with his legs, uh, and the fact he's this new factor as well. So I think if Goff is in and pr- and fit enough to be starting, and I don't think they'll gamble him if he's 55, 60%, right? So he's fit enough to be starting i think they will be able to you know exploit and get that rhythm going with the passing game and put points up if he's not i think they'll obviously mix up the the, the playbook a little bit and i don't think the hawks have got no one's got much on wolford right he's you know came from the aaf or you know and he, it's not as if he's a quarterback it's not like andy dalton coming and they've got years and years of tape on him so i like the over I think it's, um, I'm really excited to watch this game on Saturday night. I have to say, I think it's going to be like, you've got two great coaches. You've got two teams that know each other better than most teams ever will do. Let's mm. be honest. I mean, you've had Aaron Donald saying after the game last week that the Seahawks were exactly the team that they wanted to face in the playoffs, in the wild card round. He's going to be excited. You know, Russell Wilson will be excited. He'll be absolutely desperate to get another Super Bowl to his name um, especially after what happened in the last one so I think that there's and they've, and it's a potential when you've got the likes of DK Metcalf I think another matchup which I can't wait is that Jalen Ramsey DK Metcalf matchup because when you've seen DK Metcalf be and he is this narrative is going to get constantly talked about all week Jalen Ramsey versus DK Metcalf DK Metcalf hasn't got a score against Jalen Ramsey has got less than 100 yards in two games Mm -hmm. this is going and also DK Metcalf I don't think he's gone over 60 yards in the past sort of three games either right so that and do you remember the last time people were questioning DK Metcalf or saying that he was going to be challenged was when he went up against Darius Slay against the Eagles and he absolutely torched them I remember yeah I remember even backing Tyler Lockett to have a big day that game thinking that Darius Slay (laughs) would be all, all get all of the attention on DK Metcalf but no so I do I even if DK Metcalf doesn't necessarily go for 100 yards and a score I expect there to be some uh, some juicy moments in the blocking game for him and Jalen Ramsey would have an interesting day yeah I, I think it's a great point you know you think about the, the narratives that you see going into games and we've identified statistically that Ramsey has shut him down that there's no other word for it uh, or description for it but that it doesn't stand to reason that that is going to continue to happen when you've got two elite players. You know, yeah. there are some rounds that are going to go to Metcalf, and you know, furthermore, and I, and I know I've elaborated on the point that this is a, a deep defense, and certainly in terms of the secondary with Darius Williams alongside him as well. But even if you've got a player that is shut out of a game to the degree DK Metcalf is because Jalen Ramsey has been assigned him. That's taking out Jalen Ramsey from the secondary as well, right? Which is potentially yeah, something yeah. that you can exploit harder to obviously with, with the Rams because they've got, they've got depth there, but nevertheless, not to be, not to be discounted. You're always no. concentrating on, we're taking out the elite receiver. What about taking out the elite quarterback, keeping him occupied and, and, and the impact that that has the advantage that potentially gives you in terms of scheming against the rest of the, the secondary. So uh, yeah, over, I think we both feel yeah, I like the over. I was actually, as soon as I saw the number, I was convinced on the under. But then the more I've thought about it and the more I've kind of read into it, I mean, the stats all lean towards the under. Like, I've got to give the people this. Like, the Seahawks have gone under in seven of their last eight. The Rams are riding an 11 and two under run. But at the same time, as you have said and the points that you have made, I think that this game actually could be quite different. And people will forget that. People keep thinking it's such recency bias that Jared Goth or whatever this Rams offense doesn't get anything going. It's 
pretty poor and it's completely reliant on its defense. But there's games where, like when they played the Bucks, when they played the Bills, where they put up a lot of points and they have the capability to when there's parts of the defense they can exploit. So, as you said, I think the over is the play here. I am going back and forth. I liked the Rams at plus four and a half because I just think this game is going to be close. But I do, I am leaning towards Seattle, I think, straight up. But I just see this game being one of those. I think it's almost a pick him in a sense, just because I think yeah. there's a divisional game. There's so much on the line. And yeah, it's a tough one. I, I, I find it really hard to, to pick a winner here. And certainly looking yeah. at the points, I don't feel strongly, uh, strongly enough no. to, to, to lean either either way in particular. Uh, I just I think I'll, I'll I'll take the over and then sit back and enjoy the game. Yeah, Baltimore, yeah, Tennessee next. Channel. I'll sit yeah. back and enjoy that game, even though yeah. it's going to last about 70 minutes, right? It's going to be yeah. the fastest playoff game ever, isn't it? Yeah, you would think so. You would think so, considering they are two of the most run-dominant teams in the NFL. But at the same time, I think that this might be an opportunity and when we're talking about debunked narratives mm. for Lamar Jackson to go out and actually say, do you remember that I can throw the ball as well? Right. Because we all know that Tennessee are the fifth worst pass-ranked defence by ESPN in the league, which mm. is an insane statistic considering how successful they've been this season and it just shows how brilliant they have been on offense the line it's a a really interesting point that you've just made about why this Tennessee team is so bad on defense when it is is Mike Vrabel coaching and I know I always go on about how great Vrabel is and how much I love Vrabel but it's one of they're clearly short stacked in terms of talent right and you know whether they should have left let Jarrell Casey go and uh, you know, that vets like Wesley Woodyard, who, of course, we did the Super Bowl with a couple of years back, whether that's had an impact. But they they should be more organized and efficient than they are, given how good a coach he is, right? Yeah. This stat blew my mind, though. The Titans have allowed 51.9% third down conversions this season. That's the worst in NFL history. Oh my God. Bear in mind, they started tracking that stat in the early 90s, apparently, but it's the worst yeah, in NFL still. history. I mean, and, and look, that's a lot to do with the, the absence of a pass rush, obviously. Um, yeah. With the secondary, uh, Adoree Jackson's back, right? So yeah. he's been back for a few weeks. Yeah, I was going to say, he has been back for a few weeks. But there, I get, w- w- one suggestion there, I was reading one of the Titans beat writers saying, it's going to, look, he's been back for a few weeks. It's going to take time. He's been out all this time in a COVID season he's only going to get stronger and stronger, right? Yeah, but they gave up 78 points and more than 900 yards in their final two games of the 2020 yep. regular season with him playing. Yep. And Baltimore, 37.2 points they're averaging over the last five games. A lot of people are bigging that stat up. Those five games... Play bad teams. Yeah, the Cowboys, the Bengals, the Jags and the Giants and the Browns, the only playoff team they played in that run. And we all know that they can be quite erratic yeah. defensively, Especially right? Especially in the so, secondary, yeah. Yeah, so... Interesting. I everyone seems to be very, very big on the over. You'll probably tell me that where the money's coming in and is it piling in on the over? That number just uh-huh. seems to be creeping up and up, right? Yeah, that the money has been coming in on the over. I actually took this. Um, I took it 
as soon as it came out, just because I knew that people would be backing the over. I think yeah. I got it at 51 and a half. It opened up oh, and now wow. it's at 54 and a half. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, as soon as I, um, as soon as I made that play, the one thing that I suddenly remembered, because I saw the number and immediately you're thinking two of the most high scoring teams in the NFL in recent weeks, obviously you're going to take that. And especially when the Titans, all of their games seemingly go above 50 points, purely based on the fact that they are one of the strongest offensive teams and one of the worst defensive teams. Yeah. But then I just remembered, oh my God, they're just going to be running the ball the whole time, aren't they? <laughs> which, right. means that, which means that there's a high chance the game goes very quickly and yeah. you sort of get, what, three possessions a quarter, um, yeah. which means there's only a chance of sort of three scoring plays a quarter. So it's an interesting that's the theory, only thing yeah. I, it, yeah, that's the only thing I am fearful of. But at the same time, this should be a blockbuster game. I'm excited for it. And it's, the money has been coming in on the Titans. The, uh, the line opened up, at plus three and a half and it's now it went moved down to three and then it's back at three and a half on Betfred but three on a lot of other websites um, and I think that's because large I mean basically because people are like why on earth are Titans at home dogs basically there's a lot of people just saying that when they've beaten Baltimore twice in the past two games Derek Henry having an absolute field day on both days I think a lot of people are seeing the script being the same and that happening on Sunday at 6 p.m. But I don't know. I think revenge games, Nat. It's hard to beat a team as good as Baltimore three times in a row. Agreed. And I think the, the Baltimore, although they are, as we've said, they've been playing weak teams, they've got this swagger on and, and Tennessee mm. are coming into this game far more erratically, right? And uh, I guess you've, you've nailed it. Do you buy into Lamar Jackson being able to exploit this Tennessee secondary to a sufficient degree, assuming that the ground game is going to work on both sides to a, to you know a more than reasonable degree. Versus, do you think that Tannehill, if they can establish when they establish Henry, will be able to get that play action, get that passing game going with AJ Brown, with Corey Davis, and he's a safer, less upside, but more stable, accurate composed quarterback in this situation. I am I I've been up on the Titans for for a number of years. I didn't see the playoff run they were going to they mm. end up having last year like I'm, I I can't going to lay claim to yeah. what they did in the playoffs extraordinary that it was. Uh but nevertheless I you know long time listeners to the show will know that I really really buy into this organization to Vrabel uh, to Tannehill for that matter as well and I think that it's easy to look at the uh, obvious optics of they're all about Derrick Henry when they're not quite clearly he's the best running back of his generation but there's so much other talent offensively around there and I think it's a it's a perfect match that Tannehill's a perfect quarterback for this offense the uh the, the receivers that they've got which I think they're getting more credit this year than maybe before uh are a heavyweight tandem that maybe aren't talked about enough they, they're an underrated team in many respects for a team that got to the championship game last year but I think Baltimore win this. I think Lamar Jackson, for the reasons you said, will show everybody that he is able to beat a team with his arm when he needs to. I don't think he's going to throw for 380 yards and four touchdowns Aaron Rodgers star, but I think he's going to do more with his arm than he has done uh, in for much of this season and, and surprise you and make those key throws. I think that secondary is to be exploited and I think they'll go out, they'll go for it and they will go and target that and target Tennessee it, it, you know, in its weak areas. So I, I can't wait for this one either. And it pains me to say it for all the reasons I've just said pro Titans all the way, but I think Baltimore will get the win. 
Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. When I first, again, this is another one where I first saw the line and saw what the price was for the Titans. I thought there was real value there. Mm. But then when you kind of look at it a little bit more in depth, it's does Baltimore does seem like the smart player and you can see why the line is positioned the way it is when you see what's happened in recent weeks. I think this game is going to be completely dependent on how the Titans defense uh, perform. And how mm-hmm. they turn up, how they respond to this adversity. You always hear about it in American sports, adversity, adversity, adversity. And there's no doubt that what the Titans defense has been through over the past sort of five, six weeks has been adversity because they have been absolutely dreadful. And they've made life very difficult for their offense to go out and win games. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. Requ- they are basically saying that, yeah, Derek Henry, you need to run for 2,000 yeah. yards if you want us to make the playoffs. Yeah, Which, yeah. In the, with that point in mind, I think Derek Henry is actually, I think he looks knackered. Mm. I think he actually well, I, I don't know. really I, I, don't know. I think yeah. he I, I think he's getting, uh, yeah I know he's getting stronger and stronger but yeah. I don't know at the end of the last game I think that they were thinking a little bit too much about those 2,000 yards mm. he's going into a week where like what is Baltimore's game plan going to be what's the number one thing they've got to do is stop Henry short stop Derek Henry uh, uh, that's literally all they're going to be thinking about and with that in mind I just don't know whether I know obviously they still need to beat the Texans to get the home playoff game and I understand that Derek Henry was a bigger part of that but it just seemed like there was the game almost seemed to be defined by Derek Henry getting 2,000 yards and mm-hmm. they were utilising him very frequently when they could have probably relied on AJ Brown a little bit more because Houston Texans are rubbish everywhere they're not just a terrible run defense they are rubbish <laughs> they're rubbish all around I'm going to so clip I that up and that, send that to JJ Watt just to <laughs> <laughs> just, just your knowledge there. I think um, he would admit I, um, that. I think he's admitted that himself, hasn't he? I think he basically has. The uh, the, the interesting thing in particular there, I guess, is, and you, you've nailed it, if you stop Derek Henry, uh, what what constitutes stopping Derek Henry, right? Is it holding him to... Because there was... Earlier in the Low season, 100. right, when Henry... The, look at the first few weeks of the season. Henry was breaking 100, but, you know, three and change a carry. And, you know, sometimes those stats can be a little... The, the former stat can be a bit deceptive. He ran for over 100 yards. But he wasn't really... Uh, maybe in those games, I'll have to go back and check the box score. Uh, he broke off some big runs within that. But from memory, there were certainly a few games at the start of the season where he wasn't really breaking any big runs off and he was being held for, you know, 3.2, 3.4, that kind of thing. So, and that has obviously changed dramatically. So containing Derek Henry means what? Does it mean containing him to a certain amount of yardage? It's more yards per carry is what I'm interested because in, he's going to get a, a ton of carries anyway. And, and of course, protecting or uh, ensuring that there isn't that explosive Henry 27-yard gain where they mm. suddenly take it from, you know, second and four on their own 28-yard line into the, ter- into the opposition's territory and the whole dynamic changes. But if they do manage to contain him, at least in some of those areas keep him bottled up which is a big ask what does that then do to the titans offense versus if you do a similar number on the ravens ground game lamarcans i just is is more versatile obviously than, than Tannehill. there's more options there in terms of keeping things alive keep making things happen uh and that's one of the reasons I think I'm leaning towards Baltimore. If both defensive coordinators are looking at locking down the ground game, what happens next? And I think that there is more upside with this Baltimore offense, if that happens, than with this 
uh, Tennessee offense. And of course, you factor in the fact this is a much better defense for Baltimore than it is for Tennessee, full stop. I was about to say, I, I'm, I look at it more as the not necessarily there's more upside with the Baltimore's passing offense than necessarily Tennessee's. I just look at it as... If the ground game Mar- stopped, Mar- I'm not saying if that... The ground Tannehill- game, no, no, the ground game stopped. I'm just thinking if the ground game stopped, but then if you've just got Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters... Marcus Peters... Yeah, if you've got Marlon yeah. Humphrey and Marcus Peters at, as a cornerback tandem against AJ Brown and Corey Davis, I've got much more faith in that than what the Titans offer against the likes of Mark Andrews. Andrews and the yeah. likes of Hollywood Brown. So yeah. that's where I, I think that. And also the other thing I think is terrifying if I was a Tennessee Titans fan is the fact that they generate absolutely zero pass rush. Yeah. They get to the quarterback one of the least, one of the fewest times out of any team in the NFL. Yeah. And I mean, what does that mean? Lamar Jackson going to have space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. And that means Lamar Jackson's going to have space. Yeah. And what happens when Lamar Jackson has space? He makes plays. That's exactly yeah. what he does. Yeah. So yeah, I think, again, this was another one where I was leaning towards Tennessee when I saw the line open up. But I yeah. think that the more I read into this, the more I see Baltimore actually dominating this game potentially. I don't think it'll necessarily be a blowout by any mm. stretch of the imagination, but I think, it's, I think it will be a Baltimore win. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely Baltimore money line, and I think the points as well. Certainly, if you get, I think it's worth the roll of the dice at three, three and a half. Yeah, you know, you're over that that key number. It yeah. might be a bit of a gamble, but also a, a, a other point to make as well that I've seen a, a few sharps or smarts, I should say, talk about this week is, is the kicking battle. If it is, if you do think this is going to be tight. You know, this is Tucker versus Goskowski, right? And yeah, uh, you know, and hey, maybe this is the redemption of Goskowski. You know, now I've said it, Tucker's going to miss a, yeah, 30, exactly. a routine thirty-four yarder. Goskowski's going to kick a fifty-eight yarder to win it. Before we move on to New Orleans, Chicago, actually quickly as well, can I just can I just give some credit to Jason Money Myers if you're talking about the kicking game coming in to play for the Seahawks Rams game? Money Myers hasn't missed a field goal all season. Wow, good Cue him up to miss one on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed. It is playoff time, gang, and it's definitely going to be a wild weekend in the NFL. See what I did there? That line took hours to write. Betfred are going a little bit crazy too. They are double delighting on all games in the playoffs this year. So back your man to score the first touchdown if he does and then grabs a second. Betfred will double his odds. Don't forget to check on the Betfred Pick Your Punt specials on all the wildcard weekend games too. Singles only bets must be placed prior to kickoff to qualify. Betfred rules apply. Full terms at betfred.com forward slash promotions. You've got to be 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org is the site to check out. And as always, please gamble responsibly. New Orleans Chicago is the other game we're going to look at. Um, heavy favorites, of course. The Saints, but interesting. The line surprised me, Alan, and, and bef- I'll tell you why. First, let our listeners know where it's at at the time of recording, which we're taping this Thursday morning. Yeah, we're taping this Thursday morning, and the line is at currently minus nine and a half on mm-hmm. Betfred. It has flirted between nine, nine and a half, and ten all week, kind of going up and down. But right now, it sits at minus nine and a half, and the over/under is at forty-seven and a half. Yeah. So why I'm slightly surprised that Michael Thomas expected back. Yeah, mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara, we don't know, right? We don't know. He's going to, he, so COVID situation, it, it, it's, look, I, I would be stunned if they couldn't find a way. And the fact that the scheduling of the game has played into their hands there, it's given them a fighting chance. You assume he's going to play, but we don't know for sure. I'm surprised that the, the Saints are so heavily favoured. And now, with regards to the Kamara situation, if he doesn't play Latavius Murray, ran for over 100 yards and two touchdowns against the Bears last season when Kamara was injured. So maybe mm-hmm. people look at that and thinking, look, he's, he's no Kamara, but he can come in and do uh, a solid job. And he's had uh, success against 
you know, a, a relatively similar incarnation of, of this Bears defense. The New Orleans defense is looking sharp. Three sacks, five interceptions against the Panthers last time out. And I know it was a blowout and I know it was a, a wash and the Panthers are throwing in backups and everything else. But it was, you know, a lot of people going into that game were saying, oh, I quite fancy the Panthers for the win. Certainly fancy for the shock win. I fancy the Panthers maybe to cover and New Orleans decimated them. So recency bias in full effect that the Saints are humming and uh, all of those things clearly lean towards a New Orleans win. But I'm just surprised how heavy favourites they are. I'm not. Aren't you? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Absolutely not at all. I think I'm actually higher on New Orleans Saints than most people, though, to be fair. But as much as I'm, I do agree that the Alvin Kamara thing may play a role, but they actually, even with Ty Montgomery at running back, they had some mm. success. They've got Taysom Hill to go to. They have so many options. And the fact that they're in the position they're in, the fact that they're a number two seed, when for the majority of the season, they haven't had one of their best players, Michael Thomas. Yeah, sure. And the sure. fact that Alvin Kamara has been in and out, they faced and didn't have Drew Brees during that period for a couple of games, either where Taysom Hill came in. And I think to still be in the position they are in and to have won as many games and to have won as many impressive games as they have, I think is a credit to how they are probably the most, I'm not saying they're the best team in the NFL, but I think in terms of they have the best balance. I think they've got in terms of like all around the team, whether it's defensive side of the ball, special teams, offensive side of the ball. Yeah. I think they are the, like the most balanced team in the NFL. And I think when it comes to Sunday going up against the bears, I in the same way that I predicted last week with the Panthers, I just can't see Chicago putting up points against this New Orleans Saints team or enough points to even get close to what the amount that Drew Brees will put up with this Saints offense. The team's Trubisky has torn up. Everyone talking about it, they scored, what, 30-plus points for four weeks in a row. It's the first time they've done it since like the 1970s or something. Hmm. The teams he did that against, the Lions, ESPN's worst-ranked defense. The Jaguars, ESPN's second-worst-ranked hmm. defense. The Texans, ESPN's third worst ranked defense. <laughs> the Vikings, no, ESPN's can... ranked sixth worst defense. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like that is to, yeah. to say that Trubisky is now a great quarterback because of what he did against those teams. When at the same time, the only reason he was able to do that was because they developed the run game and David Montgomery set the foundation for their Mitch Trubisky to have time, which there's yeah. no way that's going to happen on Sunday. There's no way. You know the first thing this New Orleans Saints are going to do. They're one of the best run defences in the NFL. Mm. They're going to take away the ground game. They're going to take away David Montgomery and say, let's see what Mitch Trubisky can do. And I don't expect him to do much. From an offensive matchup standpoint, the only area that I think they might have a chance to exploit the Saints is Marshall Lattimore against Alan Robinson. Mm. But one player is not going to be able to do it. And I expect if they get any any pressure towards Mitch Trubisky whatsoever that this could be, yeah, turmoil, absolute turmoil. Trubisky, look, is a really compelling argument and, and I don't disagree with any of it. I'm, I'm big on the Saints too. I am not buying the Mitch Trubisky suddenly the quarterback of the future, although I think he's probably, unless he absolutely stinks the joint out in this one, which is highly possible. I think he's landed the gig for next season as well. Uh, all of that I, I agree with. And I suppose the, the reason I said I was surprised the line has re remained that high and you've put forward a very compelling counter argument is without Michael Thomas, yet I haven't had it for much of the season. Sure. But when you're taking Thomas and Kamara out, I expected the line to be maybe closer to seven, seven and a half. Yeah. Not, not no, it is ten. big. It is big. No, I do understand that. I think New Orleans will rack up points for sure. It's a question of whether the bears can get anything going. I was going into recording this show, liking the over and I think you might've just talked me off the ledge there, <laughs> but I think, I, I, I think they will get, I think the ground game has been chiming. I think that they will, 
keep that going a bit. I wonder if they'll utilize the tight ends, Cole Komet in particular, and just try and yeah. get something moving there as well. I look, if we think the Saints are, are, are going to be good for 27, which is more than possible, yeah. what, what are we looking at? You say 44 and a half, the over? 47 and a half. So, you are, so yeah, you're asking the Mitch to. I think I could see the Saints putting up 30 plus points, especially if Al- Alvin Kamara is playing. Um, to be honest with you, I don't think the Chicago Bears defense realistically is as good as it was last season or the season before. And the thing about the Saints is if they try and take away the run game, whether that's Alvin Kamara or Latavius Murray, then Breeze will be able to pick them off with all of his weapons. And then if they try and take away Breeze and stunt Breeze, then they'll just utilize the run game. So I think they're going to put up points either way here. So maybe the players is the, is the Saints team total. If you know, if you think 30 plus is doable and you've put a pretty strong argument for it, maybe that's a safer play. If you think Mitch is going to, is going to Mitch it up. But if you if you're buying into the Saints dominating this game, I reckon it might be might be worth looking at the over because I think the Bears will get some. I don't I can't I don't think the Bears will be blown out to the degree of you know thirty to six, thirty to nine kind of game. I think they'll I I think they'll be able to get something moving. I but actually the more we talk it through, maybe the line isn't as as expansive as I thought it was. And you know as long as it doesn't uh, this. It, you know, if it starts going to double digits and, and more money gets piled on the Saints, which I expect it will, then maybe you get into deep water there. But yeah, it, interesting. We're saying a dominating Saints win. So I guess pick your poison on which way you want to lean yeah. and trend based on based on what we've talked about. You've always got to be aware of a backdoor cover as well. Always when it's a line that's high, um, right. less so with sort of nine and a half, but especially if it goes to ten and a half, you've yeah. always got to be for that. So potentially tease it down to six and a half if you're not, um, if you are fearful of that. That's what I've done in certain areas, but I still think I like the Saints at minus nine and a half. I do have a positive stat for the over now. Don't think I'm just going to damn your pick completely. Tell me. And it's one of those which you love historically <laughs> now. Yeah. Historically. The over in domed playoff contests is 29 and 12. Love it. I love it. If that's uh, not a reason to take the over, I don't know what is. That's, I mean, listeners, that has locked it in for me. That's my lock of the week now <laughs> after that. Stat. <laughs> you know what? You've got me thinking, actually. I like this idea of the of the tease with the Bucks against Washington. I, I like that because the Bucks are around, what, similar, right? Eight and a half, nine yeah. against Washington. So I reckon maybe tease down Tampa uh, and New Orleans to the five mark and double that down. That could be quite, I might take a look at that. That could be quite interesting. Um, just while we're on other games, we're not necessarily previewing in depth. Do you know what I saw was interesting this morning on Betfred? Mm. The line has moved down on the Bills-Colts game to minus five and a half for the Bills from seven mm. and a half, which so opened up. A lot of money coming in on the Colts. Is that because they're... No, a lot of bets coming in on the Bills, a lot of money coming in on the Colts. The yep, sharp yep. money's on the Colts now. Nah, yep. well, Where are you on that? Why. I have no idea why. You're, on the, on you're the big Colts. on the Bills, aren't you? I really like the Bills. Um, every time that I've watched them, especially in big games, primetime games, I don't think there's any reason not to buy into them. The only thing that you need to look out for at this point is whether Stephon, how Stefan Diggs' injury develops. And the same thing with Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley currently isn't um, training, which is obviously fearful, but I think they might just be trying to like sort of save him Cycling, so that he yeah. could at least yeah feature on Saturday. And then they've still got John Brown. They've still got Isaiah McKenzie who made big plays against the Dolphins. Nah, come Gabriel on. If Davis. they're missing Diggs, it was obviously Diggs, but if they're missing Beasley, that's a massive loss for them. No, it is a massive loss, but I still don't... The, the only thing that I think the other reason why the sharp money is coming in is part of that. And also the second one is because um, the Bills actually aren't that good at stopping the run. And obviously that's what the Colts mm. have really gone to in recent weeks. But I think yeah. that's recency bias. 
yeah. a little bit as well. I still don't think... I still think the Bills are one of the best teams in football. I know if they miss Beasley, that's different, so keep an eye on that. But yeah, I'm still high on the Bills, I have yeah. to say. I've teased them down to minus two and a half as well. You are a king of the tease, nothing else. Yeah. All right, we've got our money line Acca coming up as we established at the top, a back in business. So we want to get a new streak going. Our streak currently is one. <laughs> so we want to try we want to try and roll that double down before that though prop bets you got three of them all yeah i do have three of them did you know nat that tom brady has thrown the most touchdown passes this year that he has since 2007 wow which is incredible considering how old he is and do you know what that means i'm going to do nat mm-hmm. bet on ronald jones to have a big day <laughs> sure I just think that, yeah, of course I am. I think at the end of the day, I'm going into this game and I think that when you look at the past couple of weeks, Tom Brady has gone up against the Falcons who are very good at stopping the run and incredibly weak at passing defense. And then the Detroit Lions who are just awful all round. And I think that Brady has used these games as a statement to sort of say to teams, be fearful of us coming into the playoffs, which they weren't necessarily earlier in the season. But I think when you look at the matchup against the Washington football team, Bruce Arians will look to establish Ronald Jones. And I think, look, that Washington are nowhere near as good at stopping the run as they are at stopping the pass. They excel in pass defense and pass rush. Mm-hmm. And I think all of the emphasis for them will be stopping Tom Brady. And I think they will use this as an excuse to basically just get Ronald Jones going. They Great know point. Washington aren't going to be able to put up a lot of points. They know they're not going to. So what's the they don't need to run up the score. They don't need yep. to score quickly. What they do need to do is take time off the clock, yep. keep the ball for long periods of time, and they know that they can do that Ronald Jones. He's been impressive all season, so I expect him to have a big day and score a touchdown. Love that. Love that. Uh, my second one is Deontay Johnson to score a touchdown. He's led his team with 144 targets during the regular season, had 88 receptions, 923 yards and seven touchdowns. He even had a relatively big day last week, despite only having a few targets against this Browns, which have a banged up secondary. And he had Mason Rudolph playing. And I think with Big Ben returning, he should be able to score a touchdown as one of the prime targets in the red zone and one of Ben's favorite people to go to. So he's another one to keep an eye on. And then my third one, Nat. Ben so- Roethlisberger or Ben Isaacs? Did I say did I say Ben Isaacs? No, you just said one of Ben's favourite people to go to. <laughs> one of to be fair, even if it was Ben Isaacs throwing, I think Ben Isaac Deontay Johnson would have a big day with Ben Isaacs throwing. I think uh, Ben Isaacs is a sneaky good quarterback. Sneaky. Yeah, I can Ben Isaac's got I bet Ben Isaac got kind of Kyler Murray smarts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it'd be great. I can see be very like Kyler. Yeah, exactly. Um and then my third one now. So the two things that I've worked out that I've said on the past two shows were the first thing I said that not even 2020 could see the Jets being two playoff teams in a row. Yes. Which they went on to do. Of course. And then the week after that, I said, not even 2020 could, would we see the Bengals being able to stop one of the best tight ends in football? <laughs> Mark Andrews had two receptions for 14 yards. It's <laughs> <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, but well, I want to start. Make sure you keep writing these down. We're going to do it. Yeah, all through see, this season, all through next season. I'm going to. So, gonna that, do you know what that means? The Bears are going to win. That's that. That's what that means. The God. Bears are going to win. That's yeah. what that means. Um, but yeah, basically, I think I, I'm going with Mark Andrews again. I think that, as we've said, what the Baltimore Ravens will look to do is exploit the secondary of the Tennessee Titans. And I think that the last time Mark Andrews played the Titans, even in that loss, he had a big day: 92 yards, one touchdown. And I expect Lamar to go to him again a lot. I think they were probably mm. saving him last week when they were running up the score against the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think this week he'll be fresh, raring to go. And Lamar Jackson always looks to him, especially where if he 
basically is relying on the passing game. Mark Andrews will be one of the targets that he goes to, especially in the red zone. So I expect Mark Andrews to score a touchdown and have a big day against the Titans. Love it. All right. Those are your three prop bets. Good luck with those. Uh, edge rush acker of the week. So three teams, take him straight up. Money line, don't worry about uh, the points spread. Three on the button. The Ravens is our first team. I think we've put, hopefully, a pretty compelling case for why we like the Ravens in what will be a close game, what will be a really fascinating game to watch. But Baltimore, for all the reasons we said earlier on in the pod, get their noses over the line. So Baltimore's our first team. Baltimore's our first team. Our second team is the New Orleans Saints, unsurprisingly, considering they're going up against the Chicago Bears. I think the New Orleans Saints, fourth best defence in football, according to ESPN, and I expect them to absolutely dominate Mitch Trubisky and the Chicago Bears offence. They'll stop the run, which puts pressure on Mitch, and I can't see the Bears putting up many points at all. And with Drew Brees having Michael Thomas back, I expect him to be able to do the exact opposite of that and have an absolute field day. Okay, the third team in our treble, the Bills. I'm with you in terms of the Bills hype train, I buy into them very much. I think the question here is whether they cover the spread. And as you mentioned, the line coming down, that I'm very unclear about and don't have a firm conviction. So I might well stay away from that. But in terms of the straight up win, Bills for me all the way. I just wonder whether the pressure might get to them in some respects. And this is a an ongoing, I think a quite fascinating aspect of sports. You talk to athletes, players who give different answers on this. And what I mean is everybody's talking up the bills now when they have been historically an underrated team, uh, an unfashionable team in the grand context mm. of the NFL, uh, a, a not hype team. And now everyone's saying they're the team that are most likely to take down Kansas City. I mean, everyone's talking about that. I know Baltimore are the team you don't want to play in the playoffs, but when you're looking at the contenders, a lot of people are saying the bills are the most legitimate threat to the Chiefs. Do you think they're this season's Ravens? Well, there is a. I think there is a. There is a risk there. Yeah, there's a great. That's a great comparison. And I, uh, different players I talk to, athletes I talk to, you know, past and present have a different perspective on this. We, you know, at the Super Bowl in Miami, we were talking to a lot of players about this. How you know this the the Super Bowl obviously being a, a particularly acute example of this because it's just a whirlwind of chaos, but. This must be playing on your mind a bit, like being in this environment. Don't tell me this isn't affecting. No, no, Wait, no. Are we, the, are we putting the Colts in our edge rush hacker right now? <laughs> no, I'm not saying I'm not saying they're going to lose to the Colts. I think they beat the Colts comfortably. Or certainly yeah, I think yeah. That, you know, oh, but you just don't think they can make a run. I'm not, I, I just wonder they, whether yeah. we're over, they're getting overhyped or whether that will, will yeah. have an impact. And, and, and genuine question, I'm not saying they are getting overhyped. It will have an impact. I, I'm always fascinated by that question. You, players say, I don't look at the media, I don't look at social media, I don't look at what's what's going on, what's being said. They do. A lot of the time they do. And players will tell you, we don't let it change. It's just another game. And 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 I get I get that. I get that when you get down to the game, it doesn't all of that just disappears. But it's just the it's just the build up and the preparation and the you you think I'm in touching distance of the Super Bowl, what kind of impact that has. Look, that that certainly I buy into something I've maintained for a long time when it comes to the playoffs, I will always back the experienced veteran head coach and quarterback tandem up against the non equivalent of a young, much younger, raw, inexperienced head coach in terms of playoff situations and quarterback always go with, with the, the season hand and for a reason, right. And I just wonder whether this is a situation where 
Are you sure you're not back in the Colts and Cedric? Philip <laughs> Rivers and Frank Reich, who's won a Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm taking the banana. I've taken the build. But you know, it does remind me of when we were talking on the radio show the other week when we were talking about the Colts. You made this point, didn't you? That at halftime of the Steelers game, that I mean, the Colts yeah. are going, could go all the way. <laughs> yeah. the Super Bowl. We were all saying it. We were all putting this yeah. really, really compelling yeah. argument before the Colts are going to get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and then, and oh, now we'd say they're going out in the wildcard round. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I think. Also, the other thing that's interesting for the Bills, as I said, I still think they'll probably win this weekend, but at the same time, the two... two <laughs> probably win. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. Now we're really talking ourselves out of it, but the two teams, no, they, I think they will be the Colts. Yeah, I do. The two teams that they've lost to this season are the Chiefs and the Titans, yeah. which I think is interesting going into it. I think that right. they um, are easily one of the best teams in the NFL, man for man. Their past defense has massively improved in recent weeks. Mm. E, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, that easily has to be one of the best quarterback wide receiver partnerships in the league. So you've got to back them at this point. The only thing that's kind of fearful for me is that they don't have much of a ground game. The Colts will completely take that away. But if they if they pass the way they do, then I don't see that being a problem for them whatsoever. But yeah, as you said, I don't know necessarily whether they are as much of a contend- contender to win it all, as everyone is saying. But yeah. I think they... They're a solid play for the Acker of the week. They, yes. I agree. I agree. Just if we've, if I confuse the hell out of our listeners in the last three minutes, <laughs> we, like, we like the Bills for the win this week. It's whether yeah, long we term the they're going to yeah. go on a deep, deep run. All right, lovely. There we go. Uh, we are ready and locked and loaded for the weekend, and we're back next week with more of the same, of course, for the divisional round. So uh, enjoy the action. We also, of course, have our preview pod. Uh, which you'll find on our feed if you haven't heard it already. Two great guests there, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN Insider. Really good stuff uh, with him talking about the coaching uh, changes, uh, who is in the frame for which gig, uh, the situation in Houston as well. That's uh, really, really fascinating how that's playing out with their new GM and Deshaun Watson's tweet. Uh, seemingly very disgruntled. So looking forward to catching up with Jeremy. And then Tom Deacon, comedian, our friend, uh, will be uh, helping me break down some of these games this weekend. So enjoy that. Uh, we're back with Jay bell on Monday, reviewing mm-hmm. all the actions of Jay bell back in the house. Looking forward to that too. And uh, Propo, we're back next week, of course, with Edge Rush. Uh, but that is all to come. Enjoy the action, bud. Cheers, my man. Podcast Network. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.